I'm, I've been recording for like five minutes. So. Say, I yeah. am recording now. I should watch Killing Eve. I've heard a lot of good things. I need to watch Killing Eve. I'd really like to watch Barry, and I'd really like to catch up with... Um, I don't really think I care about Westworld. I, I thought I cared about watching season two, but I don't know that I care anymore. And because yeah. um, I haven't heard anything like really good, no one's like, "Oh yeah, the second season's a whole new season." Like no one said that. You know what's crazy, man? Is I still have not watched season two of Stranger Things. <laughs> oh wow, really? Yeah. And it hasn't been spoiled. I mean, I don't know what I would. <laughs> I don't know that what I would immediately tell you right now that you would be like, "Oh man, I wish I didn't know that." I lost a little enthusiasm after it just blew up and became so popular. And I heard that, like, the whole, when they started talking about the whole justice for Barb thing, I was like, ooh, I don't know if your heads are on straight. Like, who fucking cares about Barb? I mean, like, <laughs> come on, guys. The second season, I think, is a pretty clear, not step down, because I think they did some things correctly. Like, there's a, like, a step sideways in some directions where they're like, oh, they, they did that perfectly. But especially, like, the final. It's just kind of like, it's not so much that the story elements they chose to use were bad. It's like, I feel like, oh, we're going to spend that much time on this. Like, let's let's hurry through this now, please. Like, we don't need to spend that much time on yeah. this. There's a, some things like that. There's just some, like, clunky storytelling in there. But it's it's still a good, entertaining season, and the cast is still, like, pretty winning, I guess. At this point, I think I'm just going to wait till October, save it for Halloween. Oh, yeah, that's a good idea. All right, let's get into it, though. This is all stuff we should be talking about on the pod. Yeah, sure. Well, I mean, fuck it. I'll just keep it in. Hey, everyone. Welcome to episode 14 of How's That Day? <laughs> <laughs> a, culture rundown awesome. with, uh, a culture rundown with Tom and Phil. I'm Phil Wiedenheft here to introduce you to my co-host, Mr. Thomas James Bond. Each week, Tom and I get together to chat about how our day has been going, and together we work through our thoughts on what's been going on in pop culture. I'll start this week with the same question I've asked him every week, even though I didn't really start with this question. We started with other questions. But Tom, how's that day? Phil, I'm tired. Dude, I'm fucking beat. I'm so tired. You've been working. It's yeah, been, we're, uh, guys, well, we, it's we've been delayed. We're a little delayed. I mean, we want this to be a weekly podcast, but it's turning into like a, a week and a half podcast, I think. Yeah. That's okay, though. We're, we're, we're just going to keep it regular, though. Yeah, as long as we keep getting back on mic. Um, it's not even, I mean, work's been like long hours or whatever, but I don't want to bitch too much about work. I like my job. Uh, it's really it's the combination of work. I'm finally back at the gym with some regularity, which is good. Yeah, work that. But it's it's really the heat. It has been oh. so hot, dude. It just cooled down and here. It just this week. kills me. It just kills me. Oh. I hate it. You're a sweater. I'm a sweater. I know your pain. I'm a sweater. I have an active job. I ha- like go in and out of uh, the air conditioning to outside a lot throughout the day. Um, it is currently Wednesday, July 11th. But uh, last, so last Friday, the 6th, um, I think the 5th or, yeah, the 5th was really the start of this crazy heat wave in L.A. But last Friday, it was, it got up to 114 degrees, and that was the air temperature. And ever since, it's just been like high nine, mid-90s, pretty much nonstop. I think this weekend, it's going to break and get back down to the low mid-80s. Which honestly, for me, is still too hot. <laughs> Not a fan of the hot weather. I don't know why I live out here, but yeah, man, it's just been taking a toll. I'm just beat. You live out there because this is like the worst of your weather out there. Is that there's a month of the year where it's really hot, and that's about it. Yeah, but you know what's weird? It's normally, at least in my experience over the past couple of well, five years at this point, um, 
it's really more August and September that are the hot months out here. Oh, so July it's July still supposed to be kind of like 80s, maybe pushing 90 a few days. As far as I know, this is what I read from one source, but last Friday was the hottest recorded july day in los angeles history well thank god it rained so much there and you can expect it to cool down any day now yeah it almost looked like it was gonna rain today i got so excited but that made it just the worst of both worlds because it also became kind of humid i mean at least in la even like that 114 degree day it's so dry that if you can find some shade you you can survive you know yeah yeah that Um, if it was 114 degrees here there would be like kids wouldn't be allowed to go to school yeah uh, I just kept, <laughs> actually last Friday, I remember I was just telling everybody, including in front of my boss constantly, you know, cause everyone, the small talk thing, especially when the weather's that extreme, everyone's just talking about the weather. Yeah. And I just kept saying like mumbling, like, yeah, you know, once it hits triple digits like this, they should just call everything off and let us go home. I was just so sour all day long. <laughs> I was just not feeling it, but you know, it is what it is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, besides that, the day has been good. Hanging out with the cats before we recorded. How, how's their health? Uh, one, the one bastard weirdo is still pissing everywhere, but he's healthy. He's peeing a lot, which is good. It just is all over my floor. Yeah, which sucks. Well, that's good. He's not like pissing crystals or whatever the hell else you have. Yeah. Done. No, he's just getting he's getting super territorial. He's starting to pee on the other cat's toys, and. Um, <laughs> Yeah, he's just, he's turning into a little brat. Cats but suck. what are you going to do? No, they're still awesome. I still love them. Nah, I don't like but, cats. Um, I know. Nobody does. You know what's weird is it's um it's been at at this point 10-ish days since I've been to the movie theater, and I'm starting to get anxiety about it. That's how often I go to the movies and how obsessed I am with going to the movies. That's how I feel right now. Like, I was thinking earlier today, I still haven't seen Ant-Man yet. And there's a couple other things I would go see, but I was thinking about that one earlier, and I was like, you know, I could sneak out now and go do that and go do that. and But then I just had that other thought of, like, there's so many other things I have to do today that I just can't spare the two hours. Or what, whatever, you know, three at, by the time you've, like, traveled there and waited for the previews and actually, like, left and whatever, you know. So, like, ah, I, yeah, I'm jonesing for a movie. I, I'm going to go sometime. I will find time within the next week or so to make it to a movie. I'm, I'm with you. Yeah, I'm going Sunday for sure. Probably. Sorry to bother you. Oh wait, this isn't, isn't tomorrow. Uh, maybe I'll go late, late night tomorrow because isn't Fallout tomorrow? No, I think that's in a week or two. Ah, okay, okay. Either the twentieth or the twenty seventh. It may even be the twenty seventh. That the weekend. Oh yeah, the yeah. It's the very end of July. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Never mind then. We just. I just shared a text with Phil. I saw some uh, film critic tweet out about Fallout. That's the new Mission Impossible movie for people who don't know. That it's the best action film since Fury Road, Mad Max Fury Road in 2015. And then that got me very excited. Well, I don't know if you saw him. I saw like five other critics pop up and say something similar. That's amazing. Is the director McQuarrie again? Or yeah, yeah. First, uh, first director to come back to, and reprise his role as director in the series. Interesting. Yeah, we man. should do a Mission Impossible episode because that's a really fascinating franchise. Yeah, oh, yeah. It'd be great. I love that series. Phil! How's that day? Jesus. Fuck. <laughs> I genuinely had a moment. I gotta wake myself up. Oh, I'm sorry. Genuinely had a moment of like true like nightmare fear because like you're you know I have headphones on and you screamed just out of nowhere and I'm sitting in a closet. Like I want everyone always to remember that I'm sitting in a closet during this entire recording. He's in the closet. 
and has been in the closet. I'm just sitting here in this closet, and you scream, and then it just goes silent. And I was like, did I imagine that just now? Did that just happen? And then you followed it up with the howls that day, and then I was like, oh, no, he just did that. But there yeah, was, I just did that. Yeah. There was a genuine moment of fear <laughs> that I was like, what the fuck just happened? And it's the middle of the night in Ohio, so you're like, did somebody just break in? Was that shell screaming? Uh, yeah. Am I hearing voices? Am I going crazy? Schizophrenia hits, like, you know, usually right around 30. Well, I'm 32, so it's right on the ringer. Yeah, congratulations. How's that day, Phil? Uh, like yours, I am long. it is long, and I'm tired. Um, but, you know, not to complain too much, today was... Uh, work i've been i've been doing this like master spreadsheet for my movie and i'm really into spread in my spreadsheet right now uh that's like all i've been doing the past like day and a half or so is working on this thing and i I probably have another day and a half's worth of work on it it's like this master template for the entire movie type thing and i used to not like spreadsheets but this is probably (laughs) like i mean like and not in terms of like I don't like reading them or like looking You've at spreadsheets. spreadsheets. I mean that like I I struggle with Excel. Like I just like I when I look at all those fucking boxes, it would open as a software, and I'd just be like, ugh, I don't like that. Uh, like I, mm. I, I I couldn't figure out the shortcuts, and like I would click one box and it would move and disappear, and it would always I was always frustrating software for me. I never like quite got the grasp of it, so I never like was good with spreadsheets. But uh, just recently, I started doing the. Uh, I guess this is a plug Google Docs you know spreadsheet stuff where you, um, mm-hmm. and I really like that you know like I can save it it's more shareable it's easier than us like I've been like saving documents and emailing them to people and like they have to like update them and save them and send them back and it's just like way easier to do it on Google Docs so I wish I would have been doing it from the beginning but anyway like started a spreadsheet on there and I just kind of started building it and I just like the last couple days I've been expanding it and I'm really into it now. Like it's kind of like all I've been thinking about in my free time. So that's really been my day has been working on that. I had a very serious heart to heart with my daughter when I uh, took her home to uh, her mom today. What else did I? Oh, wow. Um, Yeah. Oh, this week, Shell and I, we picked out the wedding venue uh, that we're getting married. We're married at. So that's why we, I sent you the save the date. Um, I just got it today. I was super excited. Yeah, September 21st, 2019. It'll be our two days away from our four-year anniversary. So it's an easy day to remember, thankfully. I don't have to remember, like, two anniversaries. Isn't that the first official day of fall? I don't, know. I don't know. That's sure. Sounds right. It's somewhere around there. I think, I think. it is. Yeah. 21st or 22nd, something like that. Yeah, sure. Yeah, we'll just awesome. say it is. I'm going to say it is without looking it up. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's the day you fall in love. That's right. My daughter's birthday is June 21st, which is the first day of summer most years. Uh, yeah, you couldn't take her season away. Smart. That's right. Uh, was, people wanted us to name her summer, but we did not. Thank God. She would have been a stripper then. Or a star in a really twee movie. Like 500 Days of Summer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, I was trying to think of like a Susan, Suzanne Summers. Like, joke, and I couldn't come up with anything. I was, like, literally sitting here. I was like, Suzanne Summers, Suzanne Summers, do something with that. There's a pun there. But I couldn't come up with anything. Phil, you got to be a better listener, man. You just be in the moment. No, no, no. I'm setting up. Also, welcome to modernity with your Google Drive's application. Yeah, I mean, like, I've used them before. I know that, like, I'm aware that they exist. But in terms of, like, the spreadsheet function, I'm like, oh, wow. Like, I'm, I'm getting the hang of this. I'm enjoying creating this spreadsheet for the first time. So, like... I'm going to like go to a Kinko's or whatever, and I'm going to get like an engineering sheet. I'm going to like get this giant poster printed out of my giant spreadsheet. I'm going to hang it up. 
and look at it because I love so this. You're, so to recap, your day has been your job, pouring over a spreadsheet, talking to your daughter, and planning your wedding. Yeah. So you are – that is the most adult-sounding day I've ever heard in my life. I'm really proud of you. Yeah, yeah. We're going to go to the Home Depot on Saturday. You know, we're going to – you know, we don't know if we're going to have enough time, but we're going to try and make it over to pick out some bowl. Oh, God. Can we cut that? No. You're keeping it. I don't even – it's okay. not an exact quote. I don't know the movie well enough to do an exact quote. Yeah, he didn't even do the, the overused <laughs> 15-year-old quote very well. <laughs> very proud. Yeah. You know, I take up every – take back every piece of pride I, I just said that I have for you. Although I got to say, um, since I, I want to insert myself in everything anyone ever does, uh, I am going to officiate Phil's wedding, and I'm super excited about that. No, oh, I'm glad you remembered. <laughs> Uh, touche. I forgot, listeners. Dear listeners, I forgot all about it. Well, since you... So yeah, I text him, and I'm like, save the date. And you're like, well, just so you know, our other friend Ian, who we've mentioned on the podcast before, he's he's going to be the best man, or I'm the best man at his wedding, so, like, no big deal or anything. I'm like, I already asked you to be the fucking officiator, you piece of shit. And you're like, oh, oh, yeah, you. that's right, you did. That's right. I'm honored. Honored. What were the odds that <laughs> you and my favorite was the Ian... I'm honored? I, I, I like in person it would have made me laugh harder because you're like, oh yeah, yeah, that's right. Oh man, I'm honored. <laughs> <laughs> I was going for a laugh there. Yeah, I was like, yeah, yeah, what you the... seem honored. What were the odds that you and Ian were both going to get married before me? I've told people that before recently. It's I forget what brought it up. I think I was just like. I know that because I was. I think I had seen Jake or something brought it up. I was like, "Yeah, Jake's married with a kid now. I'm getting married. Ian's getting married. Like, oh, poor Tom." And then there's Tom. How the, I was like, "How the fuck did that happen?" <laughs> the one who was. I don't know. I man. mean, like, not the to bring up. Crazy. I don't want to bring up too personally, but you were in like the longest term relationship more than any of us really when we first met, and you like said you were in one longer. So it just seemed like you were like heading towards it a lot quicker than us. That's the only reason it's a surprise. Yeah. The rest of us, yeah, no. You know, for sure. We were at, especially, you know, you get to that age where like all your friends start getting married and then here am I holding on strong. <laughs> hey, you got your cast. Single life. It's me and my three cats yeah, now, man. You got weirdo pissing on the other cats. It's, it's kind of like marriage. Not on the cats, just on their toys. Oh, okay. Okay. Although he did uh, pee on my shoes the other day. That was a bummer. Ugh. See, I'm, I, I have my dog and people might think he's too big or. Oh, he likes to lay on me, and he's like, whatever. He scares little children, but he doesn't pee on anything. Well, that's not true. He pees on things at my mom's house because there's other dogs there, and they compete there. But he's a lone dog here at his house, so he's he don't pee on nothing. Yeah, Ralphie's cool. Anyway, what are we talking about today, Phil? Talking about a different creature. Not a dog, but a creature that begins with a D. A dinosaur. A dick. Oh, ah, Damn it. All right, I can... Hold on. We'll start over. A different creature that begins with a D. Dinosaur. Penis. Fuck. Uh, you screwed okay. it up. All right. You want to... <laughs> no, I, I, God, this is the point. Keep it all in. Do you want to... <laughs> <laughs> I want you to keep every, all of it, including the pauses. Don't even edit. Do you want to... Do you want to give it another try? Sure. I'm talking about another creature. Dick. Dick, a penis. 
that begins with a pecker. D. Doberman. All right, I, we have to go. We have to. We at some point we have to stop this. So people are going to be like, "What is going on here?" <laughs> I thought I, I thought it was good the first time. It's when late. I just said dick. It's late, and we we've been working long days. So this is what this yes, is. The we're part. tired. We're talking about. We're talking about Jurassic Park. Part All right, five. let's focus. Let's focus on serious cinema and talk. And let's yeah, yeah, let's, yeah. let's talk about Jurassic World: The Fallen Fucking Kingdom. Woo! So, uh, what are you dating like an accountant now? Or? Owen. Ventriloquist. Stop it! You love a dummy. This is not why we're here. You can blame me. Try to shame me. I know why we're here. A rescue op. Save the dinosaurs from an island that's about to explode. What could go wrong? And we're back. We're back to talk about the Chris Pratt starring. Uh, what is this? It's not a. What do they call these now? It's not a sequel. It's not a. It's a reboot of a sequel, or it's a sequel of a reboot. Did you consider? I, mean, I don't know what they're called. I, I, I consider Jurassic World like a continuation of the franchise. You don't consider Jurassic like the last Jurassic World a, a reboot? I guess, but reboot to me, maybe it's uh, not the fault of the term reboot, but to me, it gets conflated too much with a remake. You know, yeah. And it's Jurassic World clearly was never trying to be a remake. It acknowledged Jurassic Park, so I don't, I don't know. I just continue it. I, I just consider it a continuation. Yeah, uh, well, to me, to me, it's really Jurassic Park Five. You know, well, in, in a way, it, remi- it reminded me a lot of Creed in terms of like the way it's set up. Like, oh, this is gonna not only is it gonna pay homage to the previous like film and the se- films in the series, or like acknowledge their existence, but we're gonna steal the structure of Rocky as as blatantly as Force Awakens stole a New Hope structure. So Creed works as this like Rocky reboot slash sequel. It like does both. Jurassic World reminded me of that in terms of like what like you said it is continuing the series but it's like restructuring like the rules of the world yeah I guess that's true I think like the way that like the new Halloween that's coming out is like we're just gonna forget about Halloween the other sequels and we're just gonna do a new one like I guess like Jurassic World's like we're gonna ignore that a T-Rex was let loose in Seattle or wherever that was Right, yeah, that's true. I guess it can't be a direct continuation of the Jurassic Park sequels, just like the new Halloween can't be considered Halloween 9, you know? I mean, Rob Zombie's Halloween was a reboot remake. The new Halloween is another Halloween 2, a second Halloween 2, actually a third one, I guess. I was going to say, his Halloween 2 is not a remake of Halloween 2, it's a sequel to his remake of Halloween. Yeah. It's, it gets very complicated. Yeah, well, the movie, movies are funky these days, man. Did you see, I finally saw the trailer for the new Halloween. Yeah. Uh, in theaters when I saw the last movie I saw, which was The First Purge. Yeah. And uh, I thought it looked I thought it looked pretty interesting. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, interesting. There was a couple things in there that I was like, oh, I, I need to see how that plays out. Because it seems like a really, like, I'm glad that they're doing something different with it. So, yeah. uh, you know, I'm excited for that. But, like, I, I think when I saw the trailer, there was a couple elements that I thought looked really cool and a couple that I was also like, oh, I wonder what tone they're striking here or what they're doing with this. So, we'll see. They definitely made a point to retcon the Laurie Strode as Michael Myers' sister story. Yeah. Which, which appeared in the original Halloween 2. 
then I noticed that part in the trailer where they said, no, no, that was just a rumor or a story somebody made up. Yeah, I know so I'm not. Like, yeah, we're, Halloween happened. We waited 40 years. Now this movie, that's the entire canon, according to Blumhouse. There's a part of me that would really like to make my way through the entire like Halloween series leading up to the David Gordon Green new one coming out. But I just know I won't have time, like with because like we're filming the movie like in October, so I, I'm just like not gonna have time. Just do uh, Halloween, Halloween two, and H two O. Do the trilogy, the Laurie Strode trilogy. What about Resurrection? Fuck Resurrection. <laughs> she's in it, isn't fuck. She's in it in the very beginning. Yeah, spoiler yeah, alert: they kill, kill her. Yeah. Jamie Lee Curtis in the very beginning before they make room for Buster Rhymes. Hey, he had a career. He was in Narc. He he had a little thing there for a while. Yeah, he was also a rapper. I don't know if you knew that. Uh, hey, put your hands where my eyes can see. One of my favorite songs ever. Trick. Anyway, yeah, that's a great one. Um, anyway, Jurassic World. We're all Jurassic we're World all over Fallen the place. Kingdom. You, here's how much we care about Jurassic World: Fallen Kingdom. We're gonna try and keep talking about Speak it. Speak for yourself. All right. Speak for yourself. All right. I guess that is the start of uh, your answer, Tom. How did you like Jurassic World: Fallen Kingdom? Okay, well, disclaimer, anybody who listens knows we're a spoiler podcast, so we will be spoiling. It has been out for multiple weeks now. We were spo- we will spoil the entire film, freely and openly. I, so, little quick background, Jurassic Park, one of my all-time favorite movies, has been, since I saw it, Phil knows this. For me, it's right up there with Jaws as my, you know, the top of the Spielberg echelon. Uh, Lost World, I don't think is that great. And the third one, I haven't seen in forever, but even when I saw it in high school or whatever, I was not a fan. So I was excited for the Jurassic World, the 2015 movie, and overall I was satisfied. It was about what I expected. Nothing great, but it had its moments. So going into this one, I mean, I'm always down for a Jurassic Park-esque movie, giant dinosaur action film. I'm in regardless. And I got to say, this one uh, met my expectations, which were modest, and maybe even exceeded them in parts. I think, especially now that I've had, you know, two weeks or whatever to reflect, I think I definitely prefer it to Jurassic World overall. Um, I think it's just way more fun. It captures a little bit more of the horror vibe, which the original Jurassic Park has. Uh, at least in moments, and it had some emotion that I wasn't expecting. Yeah, I was a fan. I, I would say this is, I don't know, there, there's Jurassic Park, and then there's every other dinosaur movie that came after Jurassic Park, so I wouldn't put it anywhere close to the original, but this may be my second favorite one of the franchise, possibly, maybe. I Yeah, I was about to go, I was literally about to go like, oh, wow, but then I was just like, oh, I don't know what that's saying. Yeah, it's not saying much, but... Yeah, I, I'd say it's uh, it was a step up from Jurassic World, in my opinion. Okay, okay. A, sl- a slight one, but a step up. My, uh, just brief rundown, I don't know that, like, I, you've always had Jurassic Park in your, like, top 20 of all time-ish. Like, I know it's always been a really big one for you. And that is correct. And it was for me as well. I don't want to, like, undersell that. I saw it in theaters when I was seven is when it came out. And I saw it in theaters, and I it's one of my earliest theater-going memories. I remember... The mother in, in front of us grabbing her child and exiting the theater in, like, a huff after the first scene when the raptor, like, ate the the guy, you know, like, shoot, ha! <laughs> that, the whole thing. 
Um, the lawyer on the toilet? No, no, no. At the very, very opening when they're loading the raptors. Oh, oh, yes, yes, yes. The very, very opening. When, like, there is a raptor that, like, eats a guy and, like, they're and it gets sucked in and everything and like immediately right. this mother in front of us grabs her young child and like storms out of the theater it was like oh this is not the dinosaur movie i thought i was coming to see this is not the land before time yeah exactly and so that was definitely a formative experience for me but i never quite considered it or i, I guess i should say maybe i thought of it as like slight spielberg or something as like a as a dumb young person and as I've gotten older, it's it's just like continued to grow up, go up the list. And for me now, like it's it's up there with Jaws. Like I think it's almost just as perfect as Jaws. And uh, as good and our generation's Jaws in so many ways. And I, like you said, there's yeah. there's Jurassic Park, and then there's everything else. Uh, that said, I you're I'm, I'm a little bit more harsh. I think Lost World, outside of a few a few key sequences, because like even in a bad Spielberg movie, he can direct the fuck out of a, anything. But Lost sure. World, I, I'm uh, it's one of my least favorites. It's in uh, my bottom five Spielbergs, is is if I remember that list correctly from our Ready Player One episode. But I do not like that movie at all. I think it's really bad. Uh, they really just I don't know, really crappy. But then, like you said, three is very forgettable. No one really cares about three. Jurassic World, I saw when it came out, and I thought in the theater, like, oh, that was fun. That was fine. There was a couple things that are very silly and over the top, but overall, like, there had there was enough there that entertained me, and I was fine with it. And then over time, I think, like, in my mind, it it just soured all the, the things I didn't like. I was like, yeah, that really was like pretty stupid. And I, I don't know. So I'd have to like revisit Jurassic world now. Cause right now the way I, the way I stand is fallen kingdom made me like the first Jurassic world more, mm. but here's my, my hot take short summary. One sentence of Jurassic world fallen kingdom is that I think it's a wonderfully directed piece of shit. <laughs> and here's my other hot take about it. I think this movie is not only hot garbage, just trash, absolute trash. What? Whoa! Yeah, Jesus. hold on. I'm not. I'm, I think it's not only do I think this movie is like just just junk, absolute junk, no good at all. Um, I shouldn't say no good at all because I like I said it's well directed, but there's not anything kind I can really say about this movie outside of some of like the stylistic camera touches. Really, I think this is bottom of the barrel studio filmmaking at this point, and I think I'm. This is my like really really like big statement is that I'm really sick of hearing and I don't want to say that people are lying or that you're lying cuz you described it this way but I just don't understand how people find this movie fun. Like there's nothing fun about this movie to me at all. I was miserable watching this movie. I hated watching Why? it. Cuz it's Why? I'm like trying to fight snobbery here. Like I try to be like we were gonna do too late. You've lost that battle, buddy. Well, but go on. All right, but like, all right, we could talk about like Incredibles too, and I would use the word fun. Like I'm not against like a popcorn adventure. We were talking about Mission Impossible right at the top of the show. Like I love a good action adventure movie. It's not that I'm like against dinosaurs or any of this. Like I like a studio movie as much. I'm gonna go see Ant Man this week. Like I like seeing big studio stuff as much as I like to go see the you know, the first reforms of the world. I try and mix up, but I just, oh, there's not a single character moment that makes any sense. There's not any plot decision that is like grounded in reality. Everyone can just say like, it's, it, that's not what kind of movie this is. But at the same time, I'm kind of like Jurassic Parks on Netflix and I was just watching that and it's just so hard for me to feel like 
I understand that not everything is going to be Jurassic Park, but do we have to, can we like at least try? Like, can we at least develop a serious like arc for somebody? Like the villain in this movie is laughable. It's just the most mustache twirling. We're going to do it all for money. It's just the worst villain. I think the effects look no better here than they did in 1993. And I don't, I just, well, the effects in 1993 were incredible. I know that's like the fact that it's been like what, 30 years and we haven't gotten any better. I just think is interesting. A lot of that's like CGI versus practical. yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But like at the same time, it's like, okay, we have these budgets now. Like why can't, there's no director who's like, you know what? Like let's push for just a slight bit more practical. I feel like if somebody really wanted it, they could get it. I don't know. Like, I just don't think they want it anymore at this point. And so you went into this movie thinking I went into this movie with I want to see I want to see giant amazing practical effects even though they're not doing that no and I, I want to go to this giant dinosaur movie to see a badass character arc that's what I'm after well no what I wanted was a fun adventure movie but like I said I it did. was fun it had it had it had one of the most intense sustained. Has action adventure set pieces in a Jurassic Park movie. Are you talking about the Ever. the ball underwater like extended shot? I'm talking about the entire explosion of Isla Nubar. Okay, yeah. Well, that's what I was gonna say. Like, I think that's a well directed twenty minutes. That's that's the ending of a lot of a lot of directors would have made that the ending of Fallen Kingdom, and that ends the first act or the first half of the film. But I'm watching that like honestly, and I know you're gonna think this is like nitpicky and stupid but this is like honestly the shit i'm thinking about during this movie and i can't help that reaction but i'm sitting there i'm like so they built the like even if nothing had happened in jurassic world like if nothing had gone wrong they'd still have built this island on a fucking active volcano and they're gonna lose billions of dollars regardless like that's a terrible island to build a fucking billion dollar investment on and we also know that there are multiple islands because of the other movies in the series and like, okay, you're not you're not wrong about that criticism. Like, I, I will grant you that there was not a single scene that I didn't have something like that. That take, but you can't let go of that for a 20 minute sustained action set piece. That's great in an action film. Two, all right, that's great. That 20 minutes of a two hour and eight movie was good. Like, I'm not. I like. I enjoyed that sequence. I'm not saying. Well, like, you just said you had nothing positive to say. So and, now you're saying. But I immediately that retracted that and said really there were like. things that are well directed. But I'm saying, like, from a script standpoint, this is the stupidest fucking story. I can't believe that there are minds in Hollywood that sat down and have an unlimited budget and said, like, what I can tell any story, or like, what's the logical follow up to Jurassic World? And this is the story they came up with. Like, literally, Chris Pratt. He's not a character. They don't do anything. Like, they don't care about these. And, like, you can say, like, well, I'm here for the dinosaurs. Well, that's great. Well, like, I don't think the dinosaurs look as good. You're not. You're here for Chris. You're here for Chris Pratt's character arc. I, I mean. You're not, you're but, not going to see Fallen Kingdom for the dinosaurs. But why? So why you the fuck? You have yourself to blame. All right. But why, why, do, why am I wrong? For being mad, the Jurassic Park set this standard, and like literally everyone is just like, yeah, but these are dumb movies, so like they're allowed to be dumb, and I don't care that they don't try at all. Like I guess I've just like I walked out of this movie like, man, that's a lot of people like really just not trying in a lot of ways. I'm talking mostly about like this, like st- like sure the movie looks good. I'm not like really knocking the direction at all. I'm not saying, but I'm just saying like like the stuff in the house looks cool, but there's not a single moment in that house that like engaged me i you and you can mock like me wanting good characters but that's why we fucking returned to jurassic park i'm not 
I'm not one. Well, that's not the main reason why we returned to Jurassic Park. I disagree with you there. But I'm also not mocking you for wanting good characters. That's an oversimplification. What I am mocking you about is not being able to let go of what you admit is something of a nitpick when at the same time, the last episode we recorded, you're just going apeshit over First Reformed, which even you admit is a blatant ripoff of more than one older film. Yeah, but like, come on. That is a complete retread of so many other stories, and that's its purpose. Its purpose is to go and watch a great character arc and character transformations and character interactions. That's not the stated goal of Fallen Kingdom. It is, you're judging this movie for being a movie that it was never trying to be. It was never trying to be the movie that you were faulting it for not being. I guess, like, people can say, like, okay, it's full of action. The movie is that... trying at, at, what it, at what it wants to succeed at, in my opinion. And there, there are obviously different levels of how people may agree or disagree with me. And obviously this is all subjective. That goes without saying. But what it tries to succeed at is a sense of excitement, adventure, in different moments, a sense of fear, and in other moments, a sense of empathy and sadness, especially for the animals. And in that, I think overall, it succeeds. It's not a cla- it's not an instant classic like Jurassic Park, which has all of those things, does them better, and has great characters. I agree with you. I but get, I, if you were going in saying like, why couldn't this be Jurassic Park? You're crazy. You're just crazy to think that it was ever going to be anything like that. So for you to judge it this harshly. To me is like, well, you just set your own self up for failure, Phil. You can you can go out and leave and say like, yeah, that was kind of stupid, but you know, it had this moment which I liked it at this moment which I liked, but the characters were one dimensional. Chris Pratt was a nothing. Yeah, and you move on, fine. But, but to call it garbage and like the worst that studio, you clearly don't watch enough studio blockbusters if you think this is the worst big budget studio filmmaking has to offer right now. You just that's just wrong. I think yeah that, no, that's no. Where I would say it's not no no I'm gonna you no. are objectively I, no I, you can I'm not necessarily I'm saying that this film is a symptom of the absolute laziness of franchise filmmaking right now and I feel and I feel like people's acceptance of like oh well I didn't expect it to be good so it's fine that it's not good is just so like I don't understand that rationale like you can say all you want but like obviously you had why would you have high expectations for this bad movie it's obviously only trying to be a bad movie like i and then like, i don't think and then, it's bad i well, never right. said it was I, bad i think it's really really bad like i watched every scene like you're gonna tell me that you watched the jeff goldblum scenes and didn't just chuckle at how silly they were like and they're just like oh yeah so jeff got paid a fucking couple million dollars probably to come sit here for 30 minutes to record two scenes and you're just like, okay, so like he was just injected into this movie to like literally just, I don't know, give a trailer speech. And then like, and like okay, that's Would stupid. you rather they shoehorn him in and figure out a nonsensical way to bring him to Isla Nubar? I'd rather them not do it. I'd rather them not feel like they have to pay homage to the past movies just by randomly inserting him in there. If they're not going to do anything with him, I'd rather not see him at all. And I'd rather, well, okay, let, and I'd rather, on, and I'd rather studios that. not just like feel, I, I guess they can feel like, oh, we're going to make an extra million bucks because Jeff Goldblum's in this. Like, but people who are going to go see this movie are going to go see this movie, whether Jeff Goldblum's in it or not. So either like use him or don't fucking use him. Like, I'd rather not see him for 30 seconds and be wasted. Like that's like well, scene that's after scene after because scene. Because I thought, I thought the way they used him, for those who've seen it, you know, but if you haven't, he basically bookends the movie more or less. And he's in two very brief hearings um, 
where they interview him for his expertise with dinosaurs and as a scientist. They're trying to figure out... So for those who don't who haven't seen the movie or don't care to watch but are interested, the island where Jurassic World takes place, there's a volcano, it's going to erupt, and the last remaining dinosaurs on Earth are in danger of going extinct. And they bring Jeff Goldblum's character from the original Jurassic Park in The Lost World to testify and give his thoughts. And he ultimately says, let them die. We played God. We made a mistake. Uh, we shouldn't risk people and expenses to go and try to save these dinosaurs. So a rogue mission headed by Bryce Dallas Howard goes there to save maybe a dozen or so dinosaurs, right? And that's all they use Jeff Goldblum for. They use him for his expertise to give a little bit of exposition as for what's needed in the story, which is just sometimes it's a necessary evil. It's maybe not the most elegant way a film has introduced exposition. I'll grant you that. But I thought it was a clever way to pay homage to the earlier franchise, but not insert him in a completely ridiculous way. I actually thought it was pretty tastefully done. If you're going to use Jeff Goldblum, I would rather have them just do something like that and actually make an honest, what felt like to me, an honest extrapolation of his character instead of shoehorning him into the main plot. I, so okay. I completely disagree with you there. I well, all right. So to go, I this to give you an idea. I'm going to do this really quick. I don't need you to necessarily. You can. You're going to respond. You're going to want to respond to some of these, but I'm just going to like, like for me. You know what? I'll do. I'll. I will mute myself. So you go ahead. Okay. Like I'm going to just like run through like some rapid fire things that were like running through. Okay. My, I got to stop head. you there. That's okay. fuck. No, I'm done. I'm sorry. I'm muting myself. Oh, okay. I thought you were like sh- telling me I had to stop talking. Um. All right. So like. I like I was watching the movie and I'm like sitting here thinking like okay like Bryce Dallas Howard they've just completely changed her character to like some like dinosaur lover expert out of nowhere I don't know where that came from like who cares whatever they can just do that I guess they get Chris Pratt to come back and I'm not entirely sure why he goes back just to get blue but I like I guess that requires you thinking that the blue thing is cool but I actually think the blue thing is like one of the really really dumb elements of the Jurassic World reboot series like I think it's silly um, so that's never going to work for me anyway, but like, I accept that that's all like part of the movie going experience of just like, these aren't the best movies. And I feel like at that point I'm giving the movie the benefit of the doubt. Uh, for me where the movie really falls apart is for one, just how lazy and blatant the like quote unquote bad guy turnaround is from Buffalo Bill in the movie. Like it's so obvious and they don't even like bother trying to pretend my question starts becoming all this other details of the movie like the world building just never ever made sense to me and every single like scene gave me more questions and i was just like this movie's lazy for example the um richard hammond remake uh played by um i'm blanking on his name all of a sudden um oh anyway he's playing this replica of richard hammond who's just like retconned into the story that's fine too i guess but, like, here's the things that I'm expected to swallow throughout the movie. One, that he pay, pays absolutely no attention to his business or a corporation or has no other person uh, talking to him about his business. That's fine. It's a silly movie, I guess. But I'm also supposed to believe this guy wants millions of dollars for these dinosaurs. And then at an auction, he's going to be super excited to sell a one-of-a-kind extinct fucking dinosaur for $10 million? Like, there are scenes of him rejoicing over and over again over, like, getting selling dinosaurs for, like, $20 million. I'm like, dude, you should be getting billions for those. Like, just little details like that I thought were silly. And the fact that there's this old man who's, I'm like, he doesn't, he's not aware that there's a dinosaur zoo in his basement. He didn't hear the the Tyrannosaurus Rex 
roaring throughout the house at any point. Like, I know that's silly stuff, but like to plant the entire second half of this movie in a gothic mansion, you know, I think is obviously a stylistic choice. And they're purposely, I understand that they're purposely trying to make it a more gothic horror movie and they're playing with monster movie tropes. And I, I really do understand that. And I guess like on some level I can appreciate that, but I guess like it just makes no sense to me. Like literally scene after, I, I think the, the auction scene is silly. I think the, the monster that they make out of the mutated DNA is it makes no, it's just a giant Raptor. The only difference between that and the other Raptors is it has a gold back. And I'm just like, you guys aren't even like, if you're going to do it, then fucking do it. Give it like wings, make it a Raptor with fucking wings and a, some other snake neck or some shit and a rat. I don't know. Do some fucking crazy shit. If you're just going to go for it. And then, like, by the end of the movie, like, when ten dinosaurs have been let loose, but when the, oh, God, I wanted to strangle that fucking little girl, and when she let the dinosaurs loose, and I was just watching the movie, I was just like, I hate everything, everything that every character is doing in this movie, and, like, while I can acknowledge that there are well-directed set pieces, I just, like, found the overall experience of, like, how the story set up all of those set pieces so moronic that I just like got mad and I just like couldn't enjoy myself. And for me, I just felt like not so much that Jurassic world is the worst studio movie ever made. I don't think that it's more just like we're paying Colin Trevorrow millions of dollars. And this is the script he turns in that everyone approves of for a, like a $200 million budget. I just can't believe that like no one, there's not a better like version of a good Jurassic world sequel out there. And I just really wish that like, I wouldn't quit hearing that people are just like, I know it's dumb, but it's fun. And I'm just like, I don't know. I thought it was just really dumb. And it was so dumb that I didn't have fun. So I guess, like, I understand that nothing is going to be Jurassic Park, but I really wish they would try it a little bit fucking harder. That's my take. You yell at me now. So you're done with your... I'm done. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. elitist Elite. bullshit oh, elitist. Give me a fucking... <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. So one by one, I'm, I'm just going to fucking wreck you right now. No. Um, so number one... I mean, if you think Blue's stupid, that's your opinion, that's fine. But to me, that it makes sense why Chris Pratt's character would be enticed to go back there and save him. I mean, I think whether or not it works in the first Jurassic World, they definitely take the time to establish this, you know, pet-like relationship that he has with that dinosaur. And that makes sense to me. I'm not going to defend chris pratt's character in this or the first jurassic world he doesn't do much for me in either movie so i don't need to spend too much time on that but to me it makes sense why it makes sense for him as a character why he would be willing to go back i mean it's not like he's doing much else he's basically become this hibernating bear who drinks and you know kind of chills so why not go save the one emotional attachment he has on that island? Well, on that note, really, of, really, really quickly, I'm of it sorry, being burnt alive. Yeah, um, just really quickly, like I don't need the movie to like make me cry or anything, but I wish like how Jurassic Park has that simple like he doesn't want to be a father or be around kids, and by the end of the movie, he's great with kids. You know, like that really simple. That's like the through line of that movie. I wish that like these movies. I know that they try in different points, but I wish that there was just any kind of really simple like. The start of this movie is they're broken up and they kind of like play coy with each other about if they're going to get back together throughout the movie. And I'm like, well, you don't do anything with it. I wish you would have just like had them have been a couple who are going through something that's solved by the end of the movie. Like I would just I wish it would have been simpler or a little bit more elegant. And I think little things like that would have made it easier for me. I don't know. But again, that's not the mission statement of the film. You're like completely. I guess I that's I'm where not, I'm disagreeing. I'm not say you're you. missing the. Well, no, the the point of the movie 
I mean, it's not done in the most elegant of ways, but the idea, it's it's an environmental film, you know? And it's about what we do as humans to the planet and to other species and are they should they be allowed their own agency should we stay out of their way and the focus which is what i liked about this more than jurassic world is on the dinosaurs and not not purely in a dumb blockbustery way in an emotional story way it's more about the dinosaurs they tried the relationship stuff they tried the Bryce Dallas Howard with kids stuff in the first Jurassic World, and in my opinion, it didn't work. So they dropped both of those things, and I think that's for the benefit of this film, that they didn't even try going there. Because the character stuff was not working in either of these two movies, so they said, let's focus on the strengths, and how can we make the strengths in these two films, which is the dinosaurs, have more of an impact, and to me, they succeeded in that. Now, to go back to your nonsense, so Chris Pratt, we, we t- discussed. Bryce Dallas Howard, yeah, her complete change into this environmentalist lover of dinosaurs, it's not explained. Apparently, she had some come-to-Jesus moment in between the two movies. Whatever. I, I don't care. Um, what I did like about her character, and I think this ties into what I just said about the character stuff not working in Jurassic World, the very first scene we see her in she gets out of a car and the focus is on her feet and it's on the high heels, which for those who saw the first Jurassic world will remember she spends the entire time in that movie running around this Island rampant with dinosaurs in high heels. And the movie got a lot of shit for that. So immediately I thought, okay, Bayona, the director is acknowledging the faults of the previous movie and he's poking fun at it. Cool. That's, that was a fun little touch. And then when she finally gets to the island, they do the same exact shot, but now she's wearing big, thick boots, you know, for the wilderness to go hiking, to get in the mud, to get her shit dirty. And I thought that was, it was just a nice little visual touch that said, look, I'm, I'm trying to be smart about this. So for me, that's already telling me the movie's taking a little more care with the details than the previous film, right? Um... In terms of James Cromwell's character, again, the villain stuff, whatever, it's not the strength of the movie, so I won't try to defend it. But at the same time, he's an 80-year-old dying man, so I don't think he's that involved. He's basically handed over the day-to-day of the company to the corporate villain, not the Buffalo Bill Army Grunt-esque villain, but to the Ray, corporate yeah, guy. Yeah, Ray I'm forgetting the actor's name. Rafe's, Thank you. Yeah. He's a great great actor and doesn't have a ton to do in this movie. He's great in The Ritual, as we talked about last episode. Right. But, um, yeah, James Cromwell's basically a dying man. Like, he gets killed lying in bed. By a pillow. With a pillow, <laughs> you know? Like, he's not that... A, he's not that important of a character, and B, he's pretty... I mean, he's literally very physical, physically weak, and he doesn't have a ton of agency. Where the movie, to me, really succeeds, we talked about the Isla Nubar explosion, or the volcano eruption that leads to the entire island being burnt to a crisp. The first huge emotional beat that really got me, and if you felt nothing for this, then you're just dead inside, is the the shot of the Brachiosaurus being burnt alive over silhouette as they leave the island. After this sustained, in my opinion, truly excellent uh, sustained 20, maybe even longer minute sequence of just nonstop action. There's a stampede of dinosaurs running away from the volcanic explosion. There are humans against humans. They're dodging. They're trying to save dinosaurs while trying to avoid getting 
run over by them. And then they finally get off the onto the boat. They or our heroes, quote unquote, sneak away onto the boat. They're leaving the island, and we see just the casualties left behind of this entire island, this ecosystem destroyed in an instant. And that one image of that tall dinosaur, which I don't know if you read, but Bayona talks about it and says, I'm glad they didn't feel the need to point this out in the movie, but that apparently in terms of the story world is the original Brachiosaurus that Sam Neill and Laura Dern see for the first time when they first get to Jurassic Park. That's supposed to be the same dinosaur. And okay. when I saw that, that broke my heart. It like really made me sad, that, which is silly. I know, but yeah, why? that makes me fucking like, gag did, actually. Okay, but it, it made me sad. And then they get to this mansion, which is to me, it plays off on the original Jurassic Park, um, especially when the kids are trying to fend off the raptors, and they're basically in the in the interior of the park, like home base, you know, in the lobby. And then in the kitchen, it has that really dark gothic feel, which is what Bayona does best. You know, he, his best film is The Orf- Orphanage, which is a gothic horror film. So he's playing to his strengths as a director. And then you bring up the clone girl Ugh. And, and the decision she makes at the end of the movie. And I thought that was a really powerful moment. Uh, there's the, the last remaining dinosaurs on Earth that have ever been made, you know, genetically through genetic manipulation are choking to death, are slowly dying and painfully dying and trying to find some escape. And Chris Pratt and Bryce Dallas Howard, if they do have an arc, it's wanting to save these dinosaurs at all costs to realizing all of the factors that go into trying to save them and basically saying like, maybe we shouldn't have done this to begin with. This is causing more harm than it is good we need to just cut our losses right now. And then this clone girl who's acting purely off of emotion as a child would do, whose whole arc is the idea that she's alive, that she is a unique person with her own agency, just usurps them and makes the decision. And the movie end, the ends, ends with, ends with, with a dozen or so dinosaurs throughout civilization. I mean, it's not like it's not high grade cinema, but I thought it was effective at what it was trying to do. And, yeah, the script is flawed. The script isn't great. But everything that it really wants to hammer home and everything that it, the movie made a choice to focus on, I thought it did so well. It, it's got more action than, I think, any of the Jurassic Park movies since the first one, which is what people really want. I mean, maybe it's not highbrow entertainment, but, pe- yeah, people go to see a dinosaur action movie, and it delivers there. And then in the secondary areas of importance, um, I think it succeeds in the message it's trying to tell. Okay. Like, I, I feel, I mean, we're, we're having this argument back and forth, which it's, I'm, again, I'm not trying to say I loved it. You know, I, you allowed me to say my thoughts in the beginning. I would say it's a sec, probably number two in the franchise, yeah. but that's basically an A plus movie to a bunch of like, B minuses to D's, you know? So, yeah, it's nothing amazing. But to call it absolute garbage and that it's a complete flop and how could this movie be so bad? Yeah, I just don't agree I just, like, I guess we had totally different experiences with it. Like, you're, I think, moved by the emotion of it, whereas I was completely taken out by the logic of it all. 
And I know that, like, it's not supposed to be, a, like, based in... Well, that's you and I in a nutshell, probably, at least when it comes to movies. Yeah, I mean, but, like, I'm a pretty emotional guy. I can get, like, swept away, but I guess, like, for me... I just think the construction was so sloppy getting there. Uh, several, I was just out of this movie. Like my, I was in my head the entire movie. There, were, I will stay. The thing I, I don't get, Phil, is it is well made. No, yeah, no, that's what it's I was going to well, say. It's well directed. Yeah. So how can you? The fact that you would let the idea of well, why they build it on the volcano in the first place on an island with an active volcano in the first place? If you're going to let that, just that thought, completely ruin. A truly excellent, sustained piece of adventure. Okay, filming. let me cut you off. I don't know what to tell you. All right, let me cut you off. I will. I was when I said it was well directed. I mean it. Like I really think that stretch of the movie. I think that stretch of the movie that you're talking about is absolutely the best stretch of the movie. Like there's that whole. I don't want to say that. Like I, I exaggerated in the beginning when I said that there's nothing redeeming about this movie at all. I, you know, I take that back. I will say that it. No it, shit. All right, but I will also say that this movie is still a piece of fucking shit. Though I'm not doubling down. I'm not taking that back. I think this, like, anyway, I'm not. Before I go off on that, but I will say good things about the movie. I do think it, it looks great, and I do think that this uh, he's a very stylistic director, and I think that there's great mood and atmosphere to all these scenes, especially in the mansion. But like, I, I, I guess. I don't. I shouldn't even say mood and atmosphere. Those are wrong words because I actually don't think it had that. I think well, it, it had some mood, um, but I think what and it had some great like iconography. I think he's really good at a big, strong, bold image. It might be something like Chris Pratt on a rainy roof with a raptor chasing him on a roof. Um, like I think that scene's just or the original Brachiosaurus being burnt to a crisp as they leave the island forever. Well, you. I mean, original Brachiosaurus. That's like. I didn't that, that the movie doesn't make that clear at all for one thing, but yeah, like which is fine, but which that, is fine, but like image, uh, yeah, anyway. Did you feel nothing in that image? That one image, you know the image I'm talking. about. I like admired it on a level, but I I can't say I was like in near tears or anything by it. I I, I was like, oh, that's a good. I wasn't I, near. I, I was more you like sad. You weren't like, oh, that's sad. No, I was like honestly, I was like, oh, that's a, that's that's a shitty looking CGI. Like that, that. So you're a fucking robot. You're just a robot. No, like I mean, like the I, I was annoyed by the reappearance of it, honestly, because I felt like it had overused its hand earlier in the movie when they recreated the original first seeing of a Brachiosaurus scene. Um, like when the team first arrives on the island and one just slowly creeps by. And they all like do the slow. You're too in your head, man. You're too in your head for these types of movies. No, I'm not in my because no, like I don't tear apart. Like I mean, Solo was the same thing. Like for me, it largely comes down to like script issues and other things. I I get like really in my head about the story. I'll grant you. I really just feel like, I guess, if you're gonna tell me like because you know I watched Last Jedi. Well, like, no, if this was Solo, if this was Solo, they would have made a point to say. You know, the first visitors ever in the original Jurassic Park saw this very same Brachiosaurus. They did all that, they did all that in the last one. That was like Jurassic World had was full of like Jurassic Park yet, Easter egg. Yet you're saying you prefer Jurassic World. Because Jurassic World's like overall like structure as like an ABC plot, I think just works better. And I like I liked I I was Which appeals to the robot. I was more I, no, mathematical robot. No, yes. I, I was more intrigued. Yes. I was more intrigued by like the <laughs> this amusement is park setup. Robert McKee's story. I am satisfied. No, no, it's more that like I find like oh we got this up Sit and running again. We've we've rebooted this as like a super like this is Jurassic Park at its like what it could have been. Like for me, I'm like oh that's a 
cool place to restart the series as opposed to, oh, we got to go back to the island again. Like for me, I was like, oh, that's I'm fine with that as a reboot idea, like slash sequel idea. Like, I think all that was fine. So like that and I and I liked Jake Johnson made me laugh in that movie. I think uh, Chris Pratt had a little bit more to do. It had the the kids subplot, which didn't really work for me, but I felt like there was at least like it was a, a through line through, that was consistent through the movie. Like the emotion was there for me for that. Like, whereas the ending of this movie, I think you had an emotional response to like them letting the dinosaurs out. Like you connected to that emotionally in terms of, oh, they're setting these endangered species free. And I think that works as a metaphor, but on like a practical in this world that I'm supposed to buy into in my head, I'm like, well, they were only sent to the Island. This movie told me to get 11 species. So there's only like a few like actual dinosaurs that they've brought back. They haven't brought back like hundreds of dinosaurs and they were let loose in this like restricted area. So to my mind, like within the next like several hours, there would be a large military crackdown and there would just be like mass murders of these dinosaurs throughout the entire, like whatever, like Metro area that they'd made their way into. And so but that would also lead to a lot of implications that would regardless of what's going to happen to those dinosaurs, whether they're killed off swiftly by the military or whether they roam free and create havoc, shit's going to hit the fan one way or the other. And when I when I said that the ending appealed to my emotions, yes, I I, I understood what the girl was doing, but I also understood Bryce Dallas Howard and Chris Pratt deciding not to release the dinosaurs and that's what i really liked about the ending is they're they set it up in such a way where there really wasn't an easy answer and they played it off and i when they when bryce dallas howard decided not to push the literal red button which is silly but fine yeah um i i bought it in the moment and when the girl overrode that decision it was a genuine surprise to me and i think what the movie was trying to say is there wasn't an easy answer there and it executed that well. I'm not saying the little girl did the right thing or that Bryce Dallas Howard's choice was the right thing. It's really hard to say. And that's what I really liked about it. And I think it ends the movie in a really interesting way where now, obviously this movie is another massive hit. They're going to make a third one. I think Colin Trevorrow is already back to direct it, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. The, ne- yeah the next one. Yeah. And that leaves me very excited for to see the third one and see what they do with it. I mean, maybe it'll be very, very dumb and I'll hate it, but maybe not. And the fact that the movie left me with excitement for more Jurassic World, which honestly, after the original Jurassic World from 2015, like I said, I'm down for any Jurassic Park offshoot movies. I'll keep watching them if they keep making them. But I wouldn't say I was super excited for Fallen Kingdom. But now I'm excited to see where it goes. And that's what I liked about the ending. Yeah, it definitely made me more excited that Colin Trevorrow was fired from the next Star Wars film. Yes, that we agree with. Yeah. Um, I don't want to, yeah, I don't want to like keep continually just like bashing the movie. But like, I guess, I guess for me, like I said, some of it's not inherently the movie itself. Some of it is, I feel like, Maybe it's just like we're coming towards the middle of summer. There's been a number of huge blockbusters released already. Like even since we've like started this podcast within the last few months, there's already just been a like five of the what top grossing movies of all time have come out or something ridiculous like that. And so, yeah, there's just this gargantuan. And I think like I look at something like Black Panther and I look at Infinity War and I look at, 
you know, some of the other, like a Fury Road. I know that you you can say like something like that's like a one of a kind, but like there have been, or even like the Mission Impossible's. I feel well. Allow me to say, Fury Road is a one of a kind movie from a one of a kind filmmaker. And Black Panther, it's it's not that easy to get a guy as talented as Ryan Coogler to make a huge movie like this. It's not easy to do. Yeah, you know. Well, I guess so. I, just mean... I, I won't say I won't for for one. Just to clarify, I don't think Fallen Kingdom is better than Black Panther or Infinity War or Fury Road. I'm not saying that either. Just to be clear, but those are those are the cream of the crop when it comes to major blockbuster movies of recent years. You know. Yeah. Well, I guess like that's that to me. That's kind of an unfair comparison. There's a middle ground between. Why couldn't it have been as good as Black Panther or Fury Road versus it's a complete abortion of a film? I think there's this thing, too. And here's what happens. Because something like Deadpool 2 comes along, which I also didn't really like all that much. But it also, like, I was much more... I, I liked Fallen Kingdom more than Deadpool 2. Sure, sure. sure. I, I have no problem with you saying that. I mean more, like, I was able to watch Deadpool 2 kind of like I, I had low expectations going in because, like, I kind of felt whatever about Deadpool 1. But, like, same thing. I was kind of felt whatever about Jurassic World 1. I was walking into this with low expectations. I think Deadpool 2, I'm easier. It's easier for me to roll that one off because I watched it. I'm like, oh, yeah, that was doing exactly what a Deadpool movie is to do. And I guess that's just not for me. But I think, like, everything it's trying to do kind of, like, works together as a movie. And there was no scene of the movie where I was like, I don't understand what we're doing here or why this... Like, at least, like, Cable's motivation or whatever you want to say. Like, at no point was I ever confused about it. And so, like, there comes this other part of me that I think gets angry at movies like Fallen Kingdom or Solo, where I think that there is underlying in the material so much potential and so much amazing stuff that you could do with it. Like, for example, like, there's so many... I've heard this from my friend, and I think it's a great point that there's so many amazing dinosaurs that, like, are real-life dinosaurs. Like, that the series has just never covered at all or shown or explored. Like, cool ones like the way that we discovered raptors in the first movie or the ones that, like, killed Newman. I don't think people knew what those dinosaurs were before Jurassic Park. And instead, they've chosen to, like, do these... In multiple movies now, these computer-generated... Uh, mutation monsters that are like multiple DNAs combined together or whatever. And I'm just kind of like, I would have been cool with just like a, a really sick venomous monster. I didn't know existed before, you know, like just things like that. Yeah. And, yeah, that's fair. And I just feel like, man, I really, I, there's so much potential in the series that that's why I think I get a little bit more heated by what I consider lazy writing. Cause I'm just like, Oh man, it's not like this is a crappy, stupid world where I don't like feel like there's much to do here so they're just gonna like do the same thing over and over again like when I go to a Bond movie I obviously expect that they're gonna do the things that a Bond movie does like I obviously went into this movie expecting like a little bit of silliness a lot of dinosaur action explosions like not deep characterization from Chris Pratt but at the same time like it was still just a little too dumb for me to be on board and I was like I, I just feel like we can do a little bit better in the screenwriting department and I'm, I guess, yeah, I guess get a little snobby about screenwriting sometimes. I have my very hot opinions on ways scripts should be written and what direction I wish Hollywood would head into. So, yeah, I, this movie just bristled my feathers. I'm happy we could talk about it. No shit. I would, um... As, yeah. I don't think bristled my feathers is a saying. I just... No, it's not. Uh, chime in if you agree more with me. Hashtag good... If you agree with Phil, delete your social media.
So you want to, like, what do you want to, oh, I know we've kind of vaguely alluded, we talked beforehand, we don't have a lot of time, and we, right now we're at an hour five, which is, I think, a record for us in terms of wrapping up a sort of subject. <laughs> Longest single movie discussions, Hereditary and Jurassic World. That's right. Out. So we were going to do a full Incredibles 2 review, but I don't think we really need to. So I think, like, how about we just dive into a really quick mini, like, we're busy guys. We watched Incredibles 2 several weeks ago. We both, I think, generally liked it. So let's just, like, give a really quick, our, our takes on Incredibles 2 and what Yeah, what, what, I mean, what I'm down to talk it. about it. Yeah, let's let's yeah. see what worked about Incredibles 2 for Tom and Phil. Something we can agree on. Let's Let's end this on a happy note. You know it's crazy, right? To help my family, I gotta leave it. To fix the law, I gotta break it. You've got to, so our kids can have that choice. Thank you, young man. Combustion imminent? What does that mean? Ah! It means fire, Robert. Green Slater interrupts this program for an important announcement. Suit up. It might get weird. I'll be there ASAP. Where you going ASAP? You better be back ASAP. You know, it's been almost 15 years since the original, which is still one of my favorite Pixar movies. And I had decided to go into the sequel with lower expectations just because as great as Pixar is and they're coming off I think one of their A-list movies in Coco, their sequel track record is not the best. You know, they've had some great ones like Toy Story 3. And 2. And then they've... And 2, yeah. And they've also had Monsters University, which isn't bad. Yeah. It's just, you know, it's, it's, it's fine. It's fine, yeah. Yeah. Um, same with Finding Dory. You know, I thought that was pretty good, but not great. But uh, this Incredibles 2, I thought was legitimately great. It is... You brought up James Bond movies just now. It, and we, you and I discussed this um, after I had finally seen it, and we could talk about it a little via text. It plays in a lot of areas like a Bond film in the way it, it plays out action as much as it does a superhero movie, which I loved. I really appreciated that. Um, what it really succeeds at, for one thing, they brought Brad Bird back, who's just a great storyteller. Not only does he know storytelling fundamentals and knows how to write a really great script, but... You know, he's had The Incredibles in his brain for two decades. He knows the characters, so we were in good hands there. It expands upon the family dynamic in a really interesting way. It's funny going back to a sequel like this 15 years later where, in reality, like, no time has passed in the world, you know? The kids are still little kids. The baby's still a baby. So uh, what would you say, like a couple months maybe have gone by in the world of The Incredibles? No, the movie starts literally the minute, like the underminer is the end of Incredibles 1. It picks up immediately after. So not even. Not There's even. no It's literally the yet. exact second, the the last one. The, last, the first one ends with them like getting their arms together and they join as a team like, let's fight this guy. That's the end of the first movie, and this movie is them fighting that guy. Yeah, that's true. Man, I got to rewatch the. Incredibles. I I just rewatched it like right before I saw two. So it's like uh, Halloween and Halloween two. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I just rewatched the first Incredibles a couple weeks ago in preparation for seeing this one again, and man, does it fucking hold up! It's so good. Yeah, it's it's so good. The action is so incredible, and there's just moments of action, superhero action that has not been matched by. 95% of the 
you know, gluttonous amount of superhero movies that have come yeah. out since. And there's such a clear setup of what each family member can do as a superpower. And watching those um, not only pay off individually, but the way they kind of communicate with each other as a superhero team. And the way that emotionally works as the family unit and everything you've been watching in the first movie is just so fantastic. If you haven't, like me, seen the, the original Incredibles in several years, uh, be like me and go watch it again soon. Because I would like to watch that. That sounds like a really fun back to back, especially I didn't realize it was the immediate um, aftermath of the first movie. I thought some time had passed. I guess I forgot about that. But um, I, I don't know. Uh, I'm trying to think of a negative because I do have this in my head that I prefer the first one, but I don't have very specific reasons why other than the newness of the original Incredibles maybe is what uh, elevates it in my mind over the sequel. I think Um, I was going to say, I I think if there's any flaws, it's some small things like uh, just part of being a sequel, like the fact that this one starts literally the second that the last one ends like all the character arcs that were largely wrapped up in the first one are kind of like just undone immediately at the beginning of this yeah so like that's what i was just about to say the dad is going through a lot of the same domesticity issues which feel a little weird in today's climate like the idea of i know a lot of it is him being stubborn and comes off as like almost doofus playful in certain ways but the jealousy he has over his wife being able to, you know, kind of be like superhero number one for a while. Uh, and he has to kind of be the stay-at-home dad. Uh, it just rang a little repetitive in the world itself. And also just and uh, kind of a weird story angle to take. Just that that weird, like, spousal... Mr. Mom, Mr. Of, Mom stuff. Yeah, but just there's also, like... You know, not in the actual physical nuts and bolts of the story between uh, Mr. Incredible and Elastigirl, but the way emotionally it kind of plays off in a very similar way of this, like, lack of trust and secrets being kept from each other. And that kind of felt like a retread. But what they did with it was still really clever. And what they lacked in the reveal of superpowers that we get to see for the first time with the family member, they, they kind of make up for it with the baby I mean, it's like, oh, we can't reveal four unique characters and all of their superpowers throughout the course of the film, so why don't we give this baby a new superpower every ten minutes and just let him expand and expand upon the fact that he is going to be the god of the world in 20 years. I think the reason that some of the stay-at-home dad stuff works for me and some of his attitudes just are a little bit, I understand what you mean about them feeling dated in a modern context, but I also, I think a lot of people, the movies don't 100% make this clear at times, and I think it's easy to forget that these movies take place in the 60s. Mm. And okay. and I feel like that kind of like, oh, this takes if he's a 60s dad, that makes sense to me. Like, and true. So that's why I've always kind of bought it, but I understand like if you're viewing it, and the movies don't really make a hard point of the time frame that they're set in like it doesn't no it it feels very modern yeah but if you actually watch it and look at the cars and look at the houses and look at the tvs it's all 60s stuff and it's based in that like part of that james bondy sean connery era from russia with love era of bond especially in the the saul bassey kind of score all that stuff is very Bond and six 60s bond in particular so i agree with you that like the role reversal stuff can feel a bit dated i think the reason it also worked for me is 
mostly because it made me laugh. Like it worked. So like since the jokes were working, I was maybe more willing to forgive it because I laughed. People in the theater were fucking laughing at the new math jokes. Like it might seem dated, but that shit was playing. And all this stuff with him not being able to take care of the kids. I thought it was good that they didn't play that too long. I actually thought. But wasn't the new math thing, isn't that a modern reference to the way they've changed how math is taught over the last few years? I think the idea is that they're always changing math. I don't. That was my take on it. Is that math is always changing? Hmm. But I don't. I, don't I, know. I, I took that as a direct reference to the past five, six years, and how, especially in elementary and middle school, they're changing math into these weird like box formulas. You know, but maybe not. Um, yeah, and I don't want to harp on the the negative. I was just trying to think of if I had a flaw, trying to think out loud reasons why in my head, at least after one viewing of this, I prefer the original because I think both are really great. What I do want to talk about with you, Phil, because we kind of teased it in the last episode, I made a comment. I forget exactly what I said, but that I thought the, the villain in this one was a little more mature. Yeah. And I was, I was actually about to say that if I had any other complaint, it was with the villain. So let's talk about it. You go first. I don't really think it's a bad, necessarily a terrible, thing i think it's more just an underdeveloped thing the i'm i can't believe i'm I'm about to blank on the villain's name all of a sudden the after not aftershock screen slaver screen slaver okay i found the villain screen slaver not necessarily bad if anything i just thought underused and kind of the thematic i i when the there's that really awesome shit i fucking loved elastigirl's motorcycle the like split the split apartment there's that whole sequence where she's like driving across town and you're hearing the the narration from the villain, and it's explaining its plot about how kids need to turn away from the televisions and blah 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 blah, and they're they're missing the reality of things. And I, well, I thought all that was really interesting. I just thought there wasn't really like a follow through on it, or it wasn't like really cleanly set up. So I wasn't. I don't think it was necessarily bad. It was just more underdeveloped. I wish it would have been a little bit cleaner. I feel like Jason Lee's character. Uh, his arc and the way all that fits into the first movie is all, I think the first movie is just a tad bit cleaner and that's, that's about it. It's not like a hard drop. It's like an a, a to an a minus or something like that. But I, I, I would slightly give the edge of the first film, but for the most part, you know, I have those mild complaints about the villain. And I also, and outside of the fact that also the twist of the billionaires being, you know, the bad guys is, was fairly obvious from the, from the get go. So, to go back to the villain thing, I, I just want to clarify what I meant in the last episode when I said that I thought – I think I said I thought it was a little more mature, but something along those lines. So what I meant was obviously The Incredibles. It's an animated film targeted primarily, you know, ostensibly for children. It's a PG movie, but why both films are so successful financially and with fans is that it really plays to an adult audience. Like – you know, there was these running jokes online on Instagram and Twitter or whatever about all the 30, 40 year olds going to see Incredibles 2 without any kids. I was one of those. Um, my writing partner and I saw it together and we're both in our early 30s. And it's not even like I was a kid when The Incredibles came out. I was a teenager. That's obviously a huge strength of the movie is that it can play to any age. So what I mean by the villain being a little more mature in the sequel is actually I think it's a better message that it's real target audience, which should be children or, you know, 10, 12 year olds can understand and get behind. Whereas in the first film, I think syndrome is a great villain as well, 
but it plays off in a bit more of a heady way that I think older audiences would understand and appreciate. Whereas it may be a little too heady for little kids. It's not that I mean the inverse, but I think I think the villain in the sequel is maybe a little bit more interesting because it could play to every demographic that's watching the movie, if that makes sense. Like I think it's a it's a clear warning sign about a lot of things that's going on right now besides the obvious of technological obsession and people's attachments to TV and phones and stuff like that. But the idea of manipulation through these sources that pretend to be very familiar to us and sympathetic towards, you know, people at large, but really aren't and are selfishly invested in all that stuff. And I I think the sequel, I'm trying to articulate as well as I can, but I don't think I'm doing a good job. I just think the, the, the villain in Incredibles 2 is something that's more universal and can be appreciated by everyone. Whereas the, the villain, even though it was a kid in the first movie, I think is much more of a villain that an adult can appreciate because you really need the perspective of the adult superhero and being a fan of superheroes, you know, like a comic book fan, but having a remove of it, you know, not just being a kid comic book fan, but actually being someone who's able to kind of look down on their fandom and try to figure out what like toxic fandom is and what obsession is and all that type of shit. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, and all that's great. I like these all my oh, com- all, my, all my complaints about the villains are very mild. I think Catherine Keener is doing great voice work. I think same thing goes for Bob Odenkirk. I think he's doing he's having a lot of fun. Yeah, he was great. And I yeah. I loved there's so much other stuff I just want to quickly mention besides like Elastigirl's bike that I loved. I loved the the team of you 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 made some comment about how like they didn't have time to introduce a bunch of other heroes, but they kind of did actually. They introduced that whole yeah, other team. True. Like I loved yeah. Void and the way Void's powers were used, especially in the end yep. fight. I one of my favorite things that movies can do or superhero movies can do is when they have a group of people with powers and they're all using them together. Like my favorite fight in Infinity War was when it was like the five of them versus Thanos and they all were using their powers in various ways against them at the same time and like jumping through portals and shit and Incredibles 2 had a lot of that too with like Void you know having Elastigirl's arms punching through different black holes in the sky and eventually getting to her target and having to like the dramatic moment of her having to like time her her hole uh, with Elastigirl's fall I just found it all so gripping I thought that stuff was great Jack-Jack is incredible uh, you know i think he's absolutely i think that stuff is so funny and so fresh the the sequence of him versus the squirrel is chuck jones genius level like hilarity in my opinion agreed i agree completely. it reminded me of the opening of uh who framed roger rabbit hmm speak on that the, well just you know, a part of it might be the baby thing and violence but the the way the jokes are structured in terms of it's silent, there's no dialogue, it's just this baby crawling around a kitchen, and the chaos that it's leaving behind is going crazy. Because obviously in Who Framed Roger Rabbit, that ends, and they call cut, and you are going to the real world. But here it's just baby Jack-Jack, and instead of it haphazardly causing chaos behind it, it's just angrily chasing this squirrel, and you're slowly discovering new powers, like the multiplication and the floating through walls. I think that's when it... Baby Jack Jack first falls through the glass or something like that. And you first see that new power, things like that. Like I just thought it was so fun and such a funny way to introduce those powers. And sitting in a theater full of families, hearing 
literally entire families just roaring with laughter is just a great feeling. And I was glad to experience it. I'm, Incredibles 2 made me feel incredibly good. We didn't agree on Fallen Kingdom. We do agree on Incredibles 2. I think I, the last episode we did our midway list, did we both have it in our top ten or just me? You did, but I said I only left it out because I knew we were going to talk about it this week. and I. So where would it be? It's probably in like... 10 or 9 or 8 or it's some it's somewhere in the back half but it's it's in there so as much as we love incredibles 2 it is not our favorite well i was gonna say animated but paddington 2 is you know quasi animated sequel yeah of the year yeah i don't know Hmm. i mean they're both i guess if you want to file them under family films family sequels incredibles 2 is number two of the year yeah but a great movie, and people should go watch it. I mean, I'm, everyone who wants to see it has seen it at this point, I think. Have you thought about the parallels at all of the story arcs of Incredibles 2 and Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom? About a billionaire coming and hiring them, to a, a woman, to go on a expedition or a trip that is set up for her to fail so that they can then bring them bring something back, blah, blah, blah? Yeah, I thought that's the whole reason we decided to discuss these two movies. Oh, yeah. We talked about this. I, I, I mean, I assume Brad Bird saw Trevorrow's script for Fallen Kingdom and just stole everything. Yeah, I mean, that's Trevorrow, or I think it's the verse because Trevor is such a good writer that Brad Bird probably saw his script and did that. Because you can do that's what I'm saying. Yeah, you can you I'm can saying. do animation really quick these days. Yeah, Brad P- Brad Bird saw the script for Fallen Kingdom and was like, "Oh shit, I got an idea, guys. Hey Pixar, who do I talk to? There's some shuffling up top." Who's the guy I go talk to? Lasseter is out. Sorry, John Lasseter. Well, whatever. I am waiting for Frozen and his family to get their own Disney TV show. I feel like that's inevitable. Yep, it's definitely inevitable. You know what? I got to give Pixar and Marvel, (laughs) Disney, I guess, Star Wars, two Marvel movies this year, and then Coco and Incredibles 2. Those are five huge movies in like a nine-month span. That they've really knocked out of the park. Yeah, I agree. It's really, really impressive what they were able to do. I mean, obviously there was Solo in there as well, but um, but isn't it interesting yeah, that I actually good, think Solo job, is Disney. the worst of those movies? Like, it does seem like, like you said, people not only go to like families enjoy these movies because you can genuinely take your grandma and your children to enjoy them. Whereas something like I don't know, like we talked about Last Jedi, it's not necessarily as widely appealing as something like Jumanji was during the Christmas time period, you know, like some things are just more broadly appealing. Yeah. No. Yeah. Solo's clearly the worst of those movies I just mentioned. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. It's interesting. Interesting time. We got mission impossible coming up later in the summer, but largely I think outside of that, most of the major summer releases are gone. So we're going to, uh, I have to correct you there because we are, 24 hours away from Dwayne Johnson's skyscraper, my friend. I like The Rock. I don't like The Rock's movies very much. M- yeah. Most of them. Most of them. There's like Jumanji. I mean, Jumanji was a nice surprise. I like the rundown. There's a few of them in there, but I his from the Fast Five. Come on, Fast Five's great. Fast Five's pretty great. I have not seen five, Fast Six or Seven or Eight. Phil, do our listeners and myself a favor so we don't have to hear your screeching negativity. Just skip Skyscraper, all right? Let me go enjoy it. Let those who want to see it go enjoy it. Just stay out of this one, all right? I wasn't going to go see it. Don't worry. <laughs> I figured. What if, I ra- what, if I, what if I'm just like, dude, A, fucking A. I wouldn't care. You also have you given worse A, so... In my opinion. Like what? I don't know. I'd have to think about it. 
I am an easy lay. You're so easy. Things. Like some, you're just so kind. Like I, and there's a there's that part of me that's always in the back of my head. Like, hey, it's really hard to make any movie, let alone a good movie. Give them some credit. Well, of course that's in there, but sometimes I just get mad. And there's other times where you're just like, I just like being in front of a movie. Sometimes. So yeah, that makes my life better. Hmm. I guess. You would, come on, if you were as dumb as me and could just enjoy everything, think about how happy you'd be. Actually, that's not true. I'm miserable. Anyway, it's been a really great show, guys. I'm not sure if it has or not. We've been like a little punch drunk, a little, we're both a little weary eyed, a little tired. Uh, it was a passionate debate, I think. I don't even know if it was good. I love, I love the debate. It woke me up a little bit. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm drunk and high as shit, but uh, I really enjoyed it. Good. I enjoyed this discussion. Good. I'm glad. What are we doing next, Phil? What's you know, what's re- next on the dock for us? We have um so when oh, we're recording this, apparently, out. if what I saw is correct, the Emmy nominations come out in the morning, a few hours away from when we're recording this. So they'll already be out when the podcast is put up. So we could do some T V shit in the near future. I would like to do some T V something. I would we're gonna do something that's not movies. That's what I pledge. I I have an idea. I'm going to say it on air so Phil has to commit or not. Sure. In front of everybody listening. The Hulu show Castle Rock comes out soon. We've been talking about wanting to do some type of Stephen King episode. He also has a new book uh, that he just released a month ago. I say I say we do little recaps. We can just do them at the tail end of the next several episodes coming up. Let's talk Castle Rock. The early reviews have been mostly positive. People seem to be digging it. I just rewatched Carrie for the first time in many, many years. Sissy Spacek is phenomenal. One of the best performances in a horror movie ever. She is in Castle Rock. I'm assuming she's not playing Carrie White, but it's a nice homage. It's, you know, for those who don't know, Castle Rock's coming out on Hulu in two weeks, and it's basically tying in many of Stephen King's stories into one unified television show. So I say we we include that in some of the episodes, and let's watch it together as a big Incredibles family. That sounds nice. I would like for that to happen. I only have two objections, and since you raised this on Mike, my objections will be raised on Mike as well. Number mm-hmm. one, it is ten episodes long. I like to reserve the right to the, we do not have to watch all ten of them if it is not good. Or if I'm like really hating it, like let's not like don't I, mean, I don't know maybe we maybe it'd be better for us to keep continuing watching it. I don't know. The only other thing I would say is I really hope we can do it <laughs> because uh, I'm we're we're both so busy, man. Look at us. I'm gonna prioritize that show. That I'm super excited for it. I'm just so curious to see what they do. Yeah, you're so you're just not, will... you're just not curious about what happens at the end of the wire or what happens in season two <laughs> of Stranger Things. You know, there's you know who cares about those things? You can put those. Up. I have a philosophy. When I really really like something, I I call it tantric viewing. I hold off the pleasure because you can only watch okay, the series finale of The Wire once. Sure, I guess. So I or want, you could be I like me to... and watch it ten times. Sure. But I also there's so much to watch that you know it's, it's I don't it I took, don't rewatch it as took much me as I forever used to. it took me forever to finish this last season of the Americans because I knew when I got there it would be over and as long as I don't watch it the show still exists for me as like a new thing so 
And yes, I should have watched the last season of The Wire by now. I'm not, I'm not excusing that. Castle Rock's going to be fun, man. It's Stephen King. What other major ones haven't you watched? Have you not watched the last season of Deadwood? No, I've seen all of Deadwood. You know what I still there's have a, not done? There's a couple other big ones. The series finale of 30 Rock. My, oh, maybe yeah, my yeah. I know that ever. One, yeah. I still have not watched the final episode of 30 Rock. But I've seen season seven up to the finale like six times. Okay. It's so weird. I, I, can't, I can't excuse it. I haven't seen season two of Stranger Things. That's whatever. Um, I, I don't really care about that. But last I, season of The Wire you should watch, yeah. Yeah, what else? There are definitely some big ones. I'll I'll try to remember them, but I can't right now. Last season of The Wire is definitely the biggest. I knocked off a few. Deadwood took me a while to watch season three, though. It was years. I got some shows I got to get back onto. I got a bunch. I'm behind on TV. I really just feel like, not so like I don't want to sound like I'm just complaining, but between, you know, too late. between schools, making a my first feature film, uh, work two jobs and child and getting married and go you know living a regular life i'm i'm really busy and it's been really uh the getting through this year i think once i get through like november i'm going to take like a deep deep breath and it's going to be great and i think a lot of my workload will not lessen but the stress of production will go away so i won't be like freaking out about that on a daily basis so after that, I'll kind of like come back to reality and probably catch up on movies and stuff and TV. But I just like haven't had time or the mindsets like really invest in a TV show lately, which is sad. And it's, I, it comes and goes in waves. I don't know how you are. I like go through like, oh, I'm watching a ton of movies right now. Or I'll be like, oh, I'm back in the TV mode where I'm just doing nothing but TV shows. I kind of go back and forth. You don't sound that busy. Yeah, not busy at all. I um I'm definitely in a TV or I'm sorry in a movie mode right now. Me too. For sure. Yeah. I go downstairs and I watch like Filmstruck. I watched River of Grass the other night, Kelly Reichert stuff. Like that's the stuff I throw on to fall asleep to at this point. Fucking elitist prick. I know. You got any uh we're wrapping things up. Any recommendations before we go? I'm going to All right, since you called me an elitist prick, I'm going to recommend the most pretentious music I can possibly recommend. I've been listening to it a ton lately. Uh, have you ever listened to like Steve Reich? Do you know who that is? Yeah, you talked about him to me privately uh, a few weeks ago. Oh, okay. Well, I've been yep. really... I forgot about that. I've really been obsessed with him. There's one piece in particular that I think I would probably mention it to you. It's called Music for 18 Musicians. desert island top 15 list recently and it was on it it's really it's an hour long it's just this one extended classical piece of modern music and i i fucking love it it's just this like driving 
thing that I love. And he makes these really postmodern, abstract, droney, like, it'll be like sound clips or samples. There's one called 9-11, which is a lot of samples of phone calls of screaming people to 9-11, like, on that day that were down there, first responders, like... That's on your desert island? No, 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 no. This is a different clip that I was listening to today. Jesus. Oh, my God. No, no, no. This is... This was something I was just, like, listening to today while I was working. I was listening to, like, the this, like, Kronos Quartet does these violins along with him, and they did this, like, screeching violin stuff, and it's playing all this distorted noise while you're hearing clips of uh, people calling in and freaking out. It's, like, really uncomfortable stuff. <laughs> but I really love it. Yeah, it sounds like it. Yeah, it, it sounds horrible. Yeah, I'll put a clip in here just for everybody to enjoy it. And Please don't, don't do the 9-11 clip. <laughs> do not do the 9-11 clip. I'll choose one of his other ones. I won't put the okay. I won't put the nine eleven. Uh, dude, all right. Not to go on too much of a tangent, but I was listening to the nine eleven one, and it made me like evoked all these images of nine eleven for me. So I got onto YouTube really quick, and I just typed in like nine eleven Street View videos, and I watched those for like ten minutes. And god damn, it's still really freaky and upsetting. And some of those camera angles. There's one CNN video in particular of these college girls in their room recording the whole thing, and it's so scary. It's still scary. Yeah, it's the most traumatizing thing that's happened in our <laughs> lifetime. <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with you? I'm just that's saying how we're ending the episode. Yeah, on yeah. I mean, no, we won't. We won't end it there. I was just saying I really like this music, and that's just one of his albums that I've been listening to lately. He does other stuff too, but like, I, it's re- I hope so. I really find it. It's not soothing. It's really. It's meant to, I think, provoke an emotion, but it's repetitive driving rhythmic percussive stuff that I find fascinating and I want to just recommend it because I've listened to it a lot lately it helps me when I'm writing it helps me as I'm working on stuff it's not something I listen to necessarily for pleasure I listen to it because it gets me in the zone and that's what it does it kind of like takes me to this other place and gets me in the right mindset to kind of go places I need to go when I'm doing work Crack train from New York Crack train from New York So that's why I listened to it a bunch. And I felt like I would recommend that over. uh, That's really what I've been into lately besides spreadsheets and, uh, you know, my movie stuff and getting married stuff. That's really where my head's been at. So enjoy that. Spreadsheets and 9-11. That's right. And, you know, I'm actually having I'm in a pretty good mood. It sounds like I'm like in a really dark place right now, but I'm not at all. Well, you're not because you're a dark guy. I'm moody. I would like to, I'm emo. I would like to recommend, uh, like I just said, Brian De Palma's Carrie. Ooh. If you haven't watched it recently, make it a priority. Maybe in October if you want. It's such a masterpiece. <laughs> Carrie. <laughs> you filmed by Brian De Palma. Based on the chilling bestseller. 
starring Sissy Spacek, Piper Laurie, and introducing John Travolta in his first motion picture role. If you have a taste for terror, you have a date with Carrie. It's a horror movie that I first saw when I was 14 or 15. And I think you you had a similar reaction when you first saw it. I thought it was a little slow. Didn't think it was very scary. Uh, but rewatching it now, as I, I don't know, maybe as more of a mature film goer, um, the technique, the crap behind it is just bar none. It's so good. Oh, yeah. And I cannot stress it enough how good Sissy Spacek is in Carrie. It is so heartbreaking to watch her. And the extended prom sequence, I totally forgot how long they're at prom. I mean, the... It's a good uh, chunk. It's like just, 20 minutes or something. Oh, it's more than... It's almost 40. Really? When you include... Yeah, when you include them arriving at prom and all of the the prelude to the destruction, yeah, that's a long sequence. Well, isn't there and that... There's stuff with her, like, talking to her teacher and all this other stuff Her there. teacher yeah. shows by... Yeah, they... Um, they have some chats um, where they're kind of like flirting, playfully talking about how they're on the ballot for prom king and queen. Yeah, the bucket of blood uh, stuff is quite a while away into it. Yeah, it's and oh god, it's just such a good movie, guys. You gotta go watch Carrie. That's my recommendation. We mentioned it on the Hereditary episode because there's that one shot where she's cutting her head off, and I felt like the close up of her cutting her head off looked exactly like Sissy Spacek somehow. I've been yeah, I've been in the mood to that, watch that Carrie scene ever since. in Hereditary. Hereditary freaks me out so much that that sequence just whenever like just now you talking about it spooked me. That particular scene just really gets under my skin. Heads will roll. Yeah, go watch Carrie, guys. And that's a wrap on this week, right? You, you got anything else? You good? No, no. You're good. I'm ready. You're ready. All yeah. right. You're gonna go lay in that fucking air conditioning is what you're gonna do. That's fuck, right, fuck, baby. Fuck those triple digit temperatures. All right, that is the show for this week. Please make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show. Every one of those helps us out incredibly. Please reach out to us and let Tom know exactly how piss poor he, wrong he was about Jurassic Park. Uh, everyone that reaches out is incredibly helpful. Thank you to Zach Pitts for the theme music. Check out our Facebook page. Leave us some comments on the YouTube page. Let us know what you think. And please find us on Twitter. Tom is at Big Fat Bond, all one word. You can find me at Phil Wiedenheft. You can look at the show notes for the spelling. And Tom, I'll see you next week. Despite your horrible opinion, I still love you, Phil. My horrible opinion? On Jurassic World. But I'm right. Bye. Bye.